God in heaven. What a glorious morning that we could come, we can worship, we can hold you up and praise. Lord, as you, you speak to our hearts and worship, Lord, we want to glorify your name. And God, this morning, we want to bring that glorification as we open your word. We want you to be exalted. We want you to speak. We want to put our, our issues aside. We want to hold close to you. and We want to hear from you, Lord God. So your living word, as we open it, we know you can impart to us truth. You can give us what we need, more of you, God a better understanding of you. But Lord, those, those things in our lives, you can answer those questions. You can breathe hope into us. You can breathe life into us. And Lord, you can give us sustaining strength and power. And so God, this morning, we celebrate you. We worship you. And now, God, we take it to the next level, Lord, and just look forward to you speaking. So, oh God in heaven, you be exalted. And the church says, amen. Please be seated. Wow, that was Abraham, wherever he went. Yeah. Whew, that was great. <sighs> Amen. You know, I'm excited. You know, uh, God has some exciting stuff in store for new life. I mean, I'm just thrilled to be a part of a church that just loves Jesus and wants to, wants to share the love of Christ in, in practical ways and share the love of Christ in, in uh, tangible ways and then ways that people just don't see. They just see you. You're the messenger of Christ to a world. And that's wonderful because what we're talking about is a portrait of a true believer, meaning we're showing people what Jesus is, who Jesus is, and we want to resemble that. We want to not only resemble it, we want to show it. We want to be it. And, and a lot of times, you know, in our lives as, as we go about, sometimes we forget who we are. We forget what that looks like to be a true believer. So I want to kind of remind us a little bit. And I'm just going to go real quick to 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it reads this in verse 14. Now you've heard me read it. Now listen to this again. It says, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Now, what is it talking right there? See, this verse is key because it says something. It says, this is how the believer used to be, believe it or not. You had no idea the things of God. They were foolishness to you. They, they didn't make sense to you. They, they were out there in left field. You saw the grinning Jesus freaks on the street and you go, those people are nuts, you know? And you thought these things and, and maybe you weren't too sure about it, but then something happened. You got saved. And then in verse 15, it reads this, and it says, but he is spiritually appraised, or excuse me, but he who is spiritually appraised of all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Now, what's that mean? It's like, hey, you, if, you, if you're spiritual, you get it. You get it, and no one's going to judge you. You understand it. Now, here's the key in verse 16. It says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we, that's the key verse, part of the verse, we have the mind of Christ. Now, church, think of that. See, you, not only has God imparted you his spirit, you have the mind of Christ, meaning you know the things that Christ desires for you. You know the things of Christ, the mind. 
And so often, what are we doing in our world? We're going back to the old ways of doing it as our old life did it, as we are going about to our old minds, forgetting who we are. We're trying to deal with man's problems in man's ways rather than depending on God's ways, the mind of Christ. And so church, we gotta change things around. You'll see the title today is Have a New Attitude. See, you're a new creature. We talked about this. You're a new creature. You are now this, I called it a third race, you know? You had the Gentiles, the Jews, and then we were brought together, and now we are citizens of heaven. We have something totally different. And so we have this new mind. We have to have a new attitude. And church, that's what I want to talk to you today about because we can grab hold of this attitude, but it's in the spiritual. See, it's not in the physical. It's in the spiritual world where we deal with this. And where do we deal with it? We're going to talk about prayer this morning. You want to change things in your life? This is a prayer that we need to get into our minds. It's something that we need to grab hold of. And Paul's going to show us what that is. But first I want to bring your attention to Psalm. And in Psalm 37 verse 4 it says this delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart now we've heard this verse in the past we understand it and we kind of go oh yeah yeah but what does it say there's this process first you 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 delight yourself in the Lord second then you get your desires right and a lot of us we go to God with our desires but you know what if we are desire if we are delighting ourselves in the Lord our desires are going to be his And you're going to see something new transforming in your life. Because you're going to take your mind off the the temporal. And you're going to say, what does God want? Because I tell you, if we just dwell on the physical, it's good. We pray for health. We pray for prosperity. We pray to pay the bills. Those are good. But you know what I found out? That the body and the world is falling apart. What lasts is your heart for eternity your essence, your spirit. And so God wants to work on the spiritual because he knows that is something that will go on forever. And so in Ephesians chapter chapter 3 and verses 14 through 21, Paul gives us a prayer. This is a plea. It's a plea to us, and we've got to grab hold of this plea, and we don't need to read the whole thing so we can get rid of that slide. We're going to get into that one verse at a time. And we have to understand that this is a plea to God by Paul, and it is a plea for us to God. And we should grab it, and we should run with it, because I'll tell you, our hearts need to change. And and so I, I want to start it off with getting to the heart of the matter, and that is your essence. And I want you to understand this. You can write this one down. The attitude of my heart matters. The attitude of my heart. Now, what is the heart? That's your, that's your spiritual essence of who you are. That's your being of who you are. It's not your emotional state. It is your spiritual aspect, the, world, the, the word of God. It, it, it's the essence of the spirits, the core. It's your spiritual, I wrote it that, that's your spiritual life. And some of us have a pretty dumpy spiritual life. Our attitude stinks towards things. Our attitude stinks towards God. I go, oh, I'm saved, but I'm tired of this. I just want to get on with my life. I want the stuff. And so we don't have a good spiritual aspect of who we are. And why? Why is that? A lot of times it's just how we just go about our lives and we don't take things as we should as seriously. 
with God. And Paul, he takes it very seriously because he, he goes and he, and he starts a prayer off here for the church. And, and it's an attitude that we should grab hold of in verse 14 of chapter three. It starts like this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. It's very quick for a pastor or even somebody that's reading the book of, of Ephesians just to run right over this verse. We just go, okay, he's praying. But you know, his attitude is one that's amazing. And we don't really grab hold of, of the, the depth of this idea that what he is doing. See, he's bowing his knees before God. And you're going, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't get me wrong. You can pray in any manner you want. Okay, I, we, we can pray standing up. You know, you can pray in your car, but pray with your eyes wide open because it'd be dangerous if you shut them. And we can pray and we can go to God and we can ask him for things and that's good. But the reality is, is sometimes we pray to God flippantly and we need to pray for God, you know, for those little things. But what do you, how is your response to God in the deeper things when you're alone with him? So often, you know, we, we pray to God and we, we can raise our hands and there are other times we bow our heads, right? Out of reverence for God. And it's important because understand that the attitude of the body often resembles the attitude of the heart. The attitude of the body. And so we've got to understand, here Paul, he's doing something that's actually not very normal as a Jew. You see, it wasn't customary for a Jew to kneel and pray see the proper ways the normal ways for a Jew to pray would be standing up kind of like at the uh, we see at the wailing wall they stand and they they pray to God that's the normal position the normal posture of a prayer person that is a Jew but then we see in scripture that generally if there is a person that is bowing there if there's a person that's kneeling before God it is for reasons it's one it's a very spectacular event or a passionate event see king solomon he 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 kneeled at the dedication of the temple after it was built he kneeled out of reverence before all israel and god because it was a spectacular event but then we see jesus in the garden of gethsemane the night that he was betrayed kneeling out of passion now paul He's, he's kneeling because there's been an extraordinary event. And he's passionate that the people of Christ grab the immensity of what has truly happened because we take it for granted and we need to understand what he says here is key in verse 13, 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And what is the reason? That there is a new way, a new avenue to God. There is this newness of a third race or a, a new citizenship in heaven. There is this spectacular thing of grace, this dispensation, this administration that has come in. And it's, it's blowing his mind. And he wants to make sure that the church understands how wonderful this is. Because we've been brought into a new family. This new revelation was granted to him and he's just going, you don't understand how wonderful and blessed you are. And we see it in verse 15, it says this, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives the name. You see, he's saying there's this new family. And now this tells us too that there's two families. 
See, there's the family of those that are adopted into God's family. That's the Christian. Those are the people that place their faith and they're, they're saved by grace alone and, and they depend on God and they walk with God. And it doesn't matter your background, your race, your creed, as long as Jesus is the way. That's that, that new family. But we also have to remind ourselves that there's a lot of people out there that think they're in, but truly they're not because they belong to the old family, like all of us once did. See, in John, let me remind you, in John chapter three, 1 John chapter three, and in verse 10, it reads very plainly, it says, for this, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. See, there's two key things. We understand that there's two families, and there's a distinction. See, the, the believer is righteous. What does that mean? Well, we, we are righteous, meaning, hey, we practice it. Doesn't mean we have it right. In First John there, we see the one who practices righteousness, that's one who doesn't have it down yet, but they're working on it, and they know the desire is for righteousness. See, that's God's desire for us. And then the other desire is what? That we love our brother. And that's key. And this is the family that we are now in. And how we get there, very, very plainly in Romans 10.10, 10, it says that if for the heart of a person believes, see the essence of somebody, we believe it. Who we are, we believe in Jesus. We put our hope in there. And it says, and what does that do? Resulting in righteousness. So once you believe, your desires are there. Now, Christian, if you don't have the desire for righteousness, I'll tell you there's a reason for that. It's because you're not seeking after him. You're not desiring it. And we see this, that we get this desire, and then next we see what? And with the mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. So that is how we're saved. We understand that. But our heart often doesn't resemble that. And so we gotta be working on our attitude. And Paul shares, you know what? Your attitude of your heart matters. You gotta go to God. And so many of us aren't going to God. We, we are living in the old nature. We're living in the physical. And our, just like our, when our minds were not spiritually appraised, like we didn't get it. But church, you gotta get it. And Paul says, you want it? You wanna know the benefits of God? You know, hit it, get on your knees, and here it is. This is what he, we wanna grab hold of, what he's saying for us to do. This is his prayer. We need to pray for strength of the heart. See, he's praying this to God that the church would get it, and we need to pray it. Because we don't get it. We need the strength of heart for what? For God to live through us. See, so often we don't, we don't think, oh, God can just do what he wants. No, no, no. It takes effort. You want to be an example to the culture? You want to be an example to your family? It takes effort. And we've got to go to our knees before God and say, God, bless me with this. See, he wants to bestow his spiritual blessings on you. We've talked that, the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. They are yours for the taking because you have the mind of Christ. But it's a powerful gift. And you gotta make sure you're strong enough. Your heart's strong enough. And so church, we see in verse 16, Paul writes this in Ephesians 3. 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, we want Christ to, to permeate our lives. But church, we need that strength to ha- make it happen. We need the strength of Christ to live through us. But often we're not praying that. And I can tell, you know why? Because a lot of times, like I said, our attitudes come forth, our condescension, that, that, that way of dealing with life. We just go through it like uh, under our own power of grit. So what do we have to understand? There's two things to understand about this strength. See, my strength comes from God's power. My strength comes from God's power. As it says in the verse, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power. His riches, his glory, his power. Now, he's got enough power to dispense to us. And it's really simple to to think about is, would you go to somebody and you would ask them for something, but they don't have what you need? That's what you do every day when you try to do it on your own. When you try to overcome a sin, when you try to overcome, you know, a, a temptation, when you try to love somebody that you just can't stand, right? And so you try and do it, and you don't have the wherewithal or the strength to do it. And so we have to understand, hey, you know what? My power comes from God. How do you get that power? Well, Paul is praying for it in this, in this passage. We should take note of that. As it says, he's got enough. Look at Romans 11. It says, for him and through him and to him all are all things. Think of that. He's got it all. So that means he's got enough, enough for you. You go, I don't want to bother God. I remember I had a deacon in a church one time. And he goes, you know, I don't want to bother God with the little things. Why not? He's got enough to go around. He's got enough. Deal with the little things. I always I brag about it that I pray for parking spots. And, you know, and sometimes he says no <laughs> because he knows I need to exercise and work off the jelly beans I just ate. And the thing is, is we have to understand, hey, you know what? We can go after it. Because I wrote it like this. It says, God gives not out of his riches, but according to his riches. Now you're going, well, that's a play on words. No, if you're a wealthy person and you're you're driving down the street and you see a beggar, you know, and you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to give him 10 bucks. Wow. I mean, the most I give is what's in the ashtray, right? But they give $10. Man, that's generous. But it's really, you know, that didn't hurt him at all. He gave him out of his riches. God has a tremendous amount to give. I I wrote it like this because I I think God's kind of cool. As I put, God gives on the scale and in the style of his wealth. You think God has some cool style? I mean, man, look what he created. And he's going to give something according to what he has. Not something chintzy like we have. So you, you want this strength? He's going to give you the abundance that you need. But understand this. It comes from his power. But look at this. My strength comes through the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit of God. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, it's, we trust God with that. See, a lot of us, we, we overcomplicate things. And we, we, we shouldn't be doing that. What do we do? Is God has the power. 
Here's the example of the Apostle Paul praying to God that we would receive it. And so we just go, okay, I'm going to trust God in this. That's why we say, hey, you know what, God, I need some help here. I'm, I'm trying to pray to you, but my mind keeps going to that nasty thought. That's why we think of Romans 12 too. You know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what does he do? He transforms us through his word. And I tell you, you're struggling with something. You ask the Spirit of God going, hey, help me out here. Help me out so I can get focused. Because that's God's will. That's his desire. You're seeking him. That's his desire. I, I want to share another verse with you out of, out of first, or 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, we see it says, there, lose heart, but, through, uh, but though the outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Okay, here we are in a world and we, we look at our world and we think, is there no more to go, any further to go? Yes, because it's about the heart with God. It's not about your physical attributes. Oh, we should try and look good. We don't wanna like scare people away from God physically. But we have to understand that God is more concerned with how we are spiritually because the rest of this is going to go. This is fleeting. I mean, think of, think of the inflation. They say according to, to 1980, the inflation rate now is 17%. This ain't, ain't matching up to what we need because it's fleeting. God is concerned with what does not perish. And so, church, we, we rely on his strength. But the next one I want you to grab hold of is we, we pray for love of the heart. Love of the heart. Now, this is a lifestyle of love. And a lifestyle of love, that, you know, it says in, in that verse I shared with you that, you know, we're in the family of God and we, we practice righteousness and then we love our brothers. That's the church. We're supposed to love each other. And that's what we're called to do. But you know, the hard thing about that is you can't fake it. I mean, yeah, you, you know the, the fakers of the church that act like they love you? And you just go, yeah, whatever, get lost. You know, you know those people. They go to that other church, by the way. Okay. And we know, we know that that is a difficult thing to do. And so what we need is we need God to change our heart. See, you can't do it. I'm gonna love that person. That's not how it happens. You seek God and you place God first, and then what? The desires of the heart come out. And so we see here, what, what does Paul say? It says that, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. He's saying, you know what? There's two analogies. Rooted, agriculture, think of the big tree. It goes down deep. You're rooted in it. That's where you, you get your strength. We have a neighbor's tree, and, and its roots go way into our yard. Because why? It's looking for water, and so it's going deep and right into my sprinklers. <laughs> you know, you got these tree roots. But then he gives this, this other metaphor of a building. You're, you're grounded. When you build a skyscraper, what do they do? They go all the way down to bedrock. And then they build the structure on that. And that is the essence of our love. We've got to go to the core. We've got to go to the bedrock of love. We've got to go for the water of love. And that comes through Christ. And so we go to the source. I, I, we did the series, The Nine. 
If you remember that in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and we forget that the essence of the fruit of the Spirit is love. And I love how Barnhouse put it very eloquently. He said this, he goes, love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding the reins. See, love is the root. You're not going to have patience with people that is of God unless you're grounded in love. You aren't going to experience the, the kindness towards people if you are not grounded, if your roots aren't seeking out the water of love. We've got to get that love. This is where we go after it because why? We are citizens in heaven and so we have the ability to tap in to the source that is in glory and the source is in us. As it says here, we have to understand something. Now, love is an amazing thing and the culture loves to throw love around. Like we love this person, you know, we're supposed to be tolerant and loving is a whole different aspect. That's not true. You see, church, if I am to love somebody that is addicted to a drug, I don't give them more drugs. If I am to love somebody that is living a lifestyle of sin and not of God, and they are destined, yes, for hell, you know what, how is that loving? And I say, you know what, everybody's going to heaven where it's false, and I know it. We don't pander we love. That's why we see in 1 John, it says, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. That's what the culture does. But in deed and truth. See, here's the truth. And the deed is expressing that truth wisely. And we have to understand, we are called to love. Now, Paul is saying, church, you got to grab hold of this love. And he says, and he says this, go for it but you're not going to get it. He's go, what? Yeah, look what he says here. Let's go further into the verse. It says, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge. Now, that's God-sized love. And he's saying, go for it. And he wants you to know it. And he says, you can go for it. But the reality of this verse is he's saying, you can't even get it, but try it. See, many of us, we don't try it. We kind of look at it and, and go, no, no, no. We, we should get more. You go after it. Now, I've known my wife for almost 26 years. And when I fell in love with her, she was amazing, right? You go, was? Yeah. Because, because something happened. As we grew in love, that amazingness of her became even more amazing. The, uh, you're welcome, honey. <laughs> that love grew, and it soon grew bigger than, and different than I ever expected. 
You see, that's the same thing with our God. When we go after God, we're like, wow, this is amazing. But Christian, that's why we go further with him to experience this love that he has to offer that we can show people. We can get more and we can give more. See, we've got to go after this love. Now, understand this, church. You can't understand God's love, but you can experience it. We can't comprehend God's love, but we can experience it. We can get it, and we go, wow, that's amazing. I can get that love. And so what we do is we pray for that love. But next thing I want you to pray for is we need to pray for the fullness of heart, the fullness of it. The fullness is that thing that only God can fill. Man fills the void in his life with stuff that's fleeting. God offers what is everlasting. Man fills it with with money, relationships, substance, whatever it does, and it leaves them depleted. But God's love fills us, as we see here, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. You can be filled up. I, I, I love going to the ocean. And when I step into the ocean, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's big and it's vast. And then I can enjoy the whitewash of the ocean just coming up on the shore. And then I just love to get out and swim out into the ocean. And I used to then enjoy surfing in the ocean. It wasn't too good at that. And then I would try other things and swimming in the ocean. And you could experience more and more. See, God gives us more and more of him. The more we receive of his fullness, the more we can yet receive. I love that quote. See, you receive it and say, God, give me some more of you. And then he goes, you want more? Because remember, I have an abundance. I'm going to give you more. Are you praying for more? It's okay to pray for more. It's okay, God wants you to have more. He he can fill you with his essence as he did Christ. We see this, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Who's dwelling in you? Christ's spirit. What do you have here? The mind of God. Church, he's dwelling in you and he can give you more and more. We see it again in Colossians. It says, for to him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head uh, uh, over all rule and authority. He's saying, Jesus is it. You can get it all. I want it all. I'm greedy. In church, there's not enough greedy Christians going after God. See, when God offers you something that, oh, I don't want anymore, That's not true. We should want more, more God. And when we seek out more of him, the more we get, the greater strength we have, the greater power we have, the wonder of the heart is filled and God is our essence and fills us up. So what do we do? Because so often we complicate it. Don't we complicate things? Go, okay, well, gotta memorize the Bible and then I got to do some other stuff. And then I've, I've got to cord myself off and never look at the t- TV show or social media again. You know, we think of things like it's really hard. You know, we think salvation, I mean, getting to know Christ is not hard. We say what? 
We go, oh, I want Jesus, right? What do you do? Well, I don't want my death life of sin. I want Jesus. So you turn to Jesus and say, save me. You ask him, save me. He does all the work, remember? He's born, you're born from above. He's the one that does all the work. And so you trust in him to save you. And that grace comes in. See, church, so what do we do as brothers and sisters who want more? Pray with an optimistic and expectant heart. I mean, do you expect God to answer you? Are you going, my God fills me? Do you you say, hey, you know what? I I can get more? And you want to give me more, God? And he's going to go, yeah. The funny thing is, is he might go, yeah. But you know what you should do? If you want more, he's going to put it on your heart what you should do. You, You need to turn from that sin. We see in Ephesians, in the final two verses of, the chapter th- of chapter three, it says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the, what? Power that works within us. Right there, church, we see it. We have it. We can do amazing things. You can walk away from that sin. You can have success in your marriage. You can do wonders for God living through your life. And we see this here. And to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in all generations forever and ever amen i love that see we can we can grab hold of that verse because our god what the the context is that verse is it's a prayer he can transform you he can transform you from within and we need to seek him that's why we see in philippians remember we we talked about he works in us and we work it out he does the mighty work he does those wonderful things And how does he do those? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, real quick. It may not be according to his will that you get rich. Sorry about that. But I'll tell you, it's according to his will that you do not dwell on, on the sins of the past. It's according to his will that you are not an addict. It's according to his will that you are not a person that views pornography. It's according to his will, young person, that you honor your parents. It's according to his will that you walk in righteousness. It's according to his will that you love your brother. That's according to his will. And we see this. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we, we, we have the requests that we have asked Uh, from him you want to love you want to live in righteousness you want to do God's will ask for it oh he loves to answer those prayers he loves it church pray for the strength of the heart to hold close to him pray for that ask God if if you're holding close to God you're not going to want to follow the desires of the flesh. Then pray for the practical love rooted in him. You want that love to love on people? You pray for that. 
And then pray for the growing fullness of God in your life. Growing. He's going to give you opportunity to grow. Church, we've got to go after it. Because now we have a new mindset. We can put away the old way of doing things. And our attitude needs to be new just like we are new. Brothers and sisters living for Christ. So live for him, church. That's the challenge. Take him up on his free offer. Plea with him and see how he'll answer. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we rejoice that you are a wonderful God. We rejoice that you answer prayer. And God, I pray that we would be men and women who live for you and let you live through us. God, change our minds. Change our attitudes. Let us be men and women seeking after you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.